Good morning. Um, I'm so thankful to uh, be able to be here this morning and be able to share God's Word with you. It is truly um, one of the greatest honors of my life to be able to share God's Word, not just with um, people, but with family. Um, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 43. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 21 this morning. That's where we're going to be, Isaiah 43, again, verses 1 through 21. Listen, just as Pastor Dwayne mentioned this morning, something incredible has happened. Happens every year, happens at uh, midnight on January 1st, and that is that the year has switched. The old year is gone and the new year has come. And I got to tell you that if I'm being honest, I'm really not a fan of change. Um, I'm really not somebody that likes change. I really like routines. I like schedules. I like to be in control. I like to have plans, okay? And I like to follow those plans. Um, I'm not a big fan of different things. However, I got married this past year. Um, And having gotten married, that is a big change in my life. And when you get married, there are things that you have to do differently and you have to learn how to do differently. For example, um, when it comes to cooking, I had to learn how to cook differently. I can cook pretty well, but at the same time, Sarah can always cook better. Um, She, she, uh, we, we can follow the same recipe measure for measure, both of us, and her food's always going to taste better. Okay. So there's a change there. Um, Things like making the bed. Used to, I just used to pull up the covers and be done with it. But apparently there's this whole process, I don't know if you've heard about it, where you have to fluff the pillows and you have to straighten the sheets and you have to make sure that everything's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Um, And uh, so I had to change the way that I do things like make the bed or do things around the house. Others of you, however have gone through that change or you go through different changes. Students, you experience new semesters. Parents, you um, experience new milestones with your kids. Um, The year changes for all of us, okay? Change is inevitable. My point is, even for the person that likes the most predictable, um, rigid schedule, um, change is inevitable. We all go through it. And that's not always a bad thing, but whether or not you look at it as good or bad, it doesn't matter. It's unavoidable. This morning, though, we're going to look at the character of God in a unchanging, excuse me, we're going to look at the unchanging character of God in a changing world, okay? Um, As we go into this new year, by the time we leave this morning, I want you to know two things. I want you to know the God that I'm talking about, but then also um, I want to make sure that as we move into this new year that you are reminded of who he is, okay? Everybody, he's great. Okay, um, so we're going to look at Isaiah 43 this morning together. Let me read that for you, and then we'll pray, okay? But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right. And let them hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also, henceforth, I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, For your sake I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans, in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I form for myself, that they might declare my praise. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word this morning, and I pray that through my... um, frail human nature that you would speak your words. God, thank you um, for us being able to meet here together as a church. Thank you for the new year, for bringing us through 2022. Um, Thank you for the blessings that you offered in the past year. And I can't wait to see what you've got in store for this coming year. May we worship you truly this morning and learn from your word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So let me give you some background information on these verses before we really dive into the content of the chapter. Um, Some of you may be more familiar with Isaiah than others. However, this whole book is the recorded words and events in the life of Isaiah. And it's also the recorded words of God to Isaiah. You see, Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. He was the mouthpiece of God to God's people. God would speak to Isaiah. He would give a message to Isaiah for his people, and Isaiah would speak that message to the people. And then they would either respond or they wouldn't. A lot of the times they didn't. Um, At the time Isaiah wrote, Israel was split into two parts. There was the northern kingdom of Israel, and there was the southern kingdom of Judah. Both kingdoms were still God's people, but they were split at the time. And Israel was in captivity to a foreign nation, called Assyria. And because of their sin, that's where it landed them. 
Judah wasn't captive at this point, but they were spiritually weak. They were spiritually dry. Um, There was a lot of uncertainty going on in the lives of the people of Judah. And so that's where we find God's people. The northern kingdom being in captivity and then the southern kingdom living in a lot of uncertainty and in a time of a lot of fear and a time of a lot of change. They didn't know what they were going to wake up to every day. They didn't know how things were going to turn out. They didn't know um, anything really other than they had the promises of God to look forward to. They had the promise of the coming Messiah, Jesus, to look forward to and that he would one day make things right. So even as we're starting Isaiah chapter 43, understand that what's going on with these people is a lot of change and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear. And I don't know where you are on that spectrum today. I know that we all have experienced a change this morning and that is a new year, but I don't know the circumstances in your life. Some of you may be um, living in some type of uncertainty, some kind of fear, some kind of big change. Some of you may be doing what you would consider to be just fine, but nonetheless, all of us, 100% of us, have something to get from God's word this morning as we head into this uh, new year. So verses 1 through 2, verses 1 through 2 here this morning. Um, Look back at verse 1 with me. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. God makes an important point here. He reminds his people that he is their creator. He is the God who created Israel. No one else. Um, And if he is their creator, that means that he knows them intimately. And that is our first point this morning, that God knows us intimately um, from Isaiah chapter 43. He knows us intimately because he created us. I used to work at Chick-fil-A and I worked in the kitchen and that's why you want to be friends with me because I knew all the recipes and I knew what I was doing when I was making food. I knew the chicken nugget recipe. I knew that well and I could probably still tell it to you. When you create something, you, you know that thing inside and out. God, having created mankind out of nothing, knows us intimately. He knows us better than anyone else ever could. In fact, one commentator makes a point of simply noting that God knew Israel well because he made them. But get this, he made them for himself. Look, again, I repeat, you may be doing great right now. You may feel like you're doing terrible. I don't know what life looks for you, but what I know is that as you head into this new year, if you are a believer, you are headed into the new year with a God on your side that knows you intimately. Even if you're here this morning and you say, I don't know that God, guess what? He still knows you because you are his creation. God knows us intimately. As you do life, as you go to school, as you... Uh, as you go to work, as you deal with family issues, as you help raise the grandkids, recover financially, whatever it is, you get to do it with the help of a God that knows your every fear, that knows your every emotion, that knows your every worry, and that knows what you would consider to be the good things about you too. He knows it all. And he goes on in verse two to make the second point. He says that no matter what, he will be with his people. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. God wants his people to know that he is with them. He is with Israel, he's with Judah, and he's with us as well. 
And I love the imagery that it uses there. You will not be drowned by the waters of life, by the circumstances, by the things that you go through. And then the fire. Think about sitting in the backyard with your family. Maybe you've got like a fire pit or something like that. You're sitting around it. It's a little chilly. You throw a piece of paper into the fire. What's going to happen? Completely consumed. Almost at the snap of fingers. I can't snap, okay? But it's completely consumed. But God says that won't happen to his people. He will be with them. The circumstances of life will not, like a blazing fire, consume you. Even though it may feel like it at times, it is really just a refinement. And so God is with us. He is with you just as much at the funeral of a loved one as he is with you with a movie marathon with the kids on Saturday night. And verses 3 through 4 tell us something even more precious about God. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba, in exchange for you. But get this, why does he do that for his people? Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. You see, historically, Israel was captive to a lot of nations at a lot of different times. And one of these nations that they were once captive to was the nation of Persia. And God literally orchestrated events and, and, and controlled the situation so that Persia got the nations of Egypt, Seba, and Cush in exchange for letting Israel go. God did that, and he saved his people because of the great love that he had for them. Look at the language he uses there. They're precious. They're honored. The Bible doesn't present God as, as, as one who is cruel, but one who loves his people deeply and even sees them as precious. He literally orchestrates events in certain ways for Israel and Judah because of the love he has. And he tells his people not to fear because he will gather those he has made together again. And he's talking about there the final regathering of his people when, when he returns to make all things right. God loves you with an everlasting love. This means he will always do what is best for you, meaning that he will get the most honor and glory out of it. Trust that no matter where you find yourself, that he is doing the best possible thing for you, even if you can't see it. In verses 8 through 13, I love what happens in verses 8 through 13. Even though Israel is still spiritually blind and deaf, God calls them to come before him. And it's almost like a court case here. He, he challenges, God does, the surrounding pagan nations, and he, he challenges them to predict what he's going to do. He challenges them to call to memory what he has already done. And the pagan nations, they can't do it because they don't know God. But God says, Israel, you are my witness because you have known me, because you are my people. Because of what God has done for Israel, they knew him and they knew the truth and they had the responsibility to share that truth, which, side note, that's what we need to be doing as well, okay? And in 11 through 13, God says that there is no one who can save besides him. Israel can say that it's true because they've seen it. God says in 13 that he works and no one can turn it back. One commentator said it this way, that, that, that God's work cannot be reversed and it cannot be thwarted. 
Israel was a witness to God's glorious plan. And they were a witness to the fact that he alone is in control. He alone is in control. Did Israel have choices? Of course. But God did things in ways that are unmatched. And he orchestrated events in ways that are unmatched. And he was in control. And he's just as much in control of our lives as he was of the lives of his people back then. You realize that? That doesn't mean that you don't have choices. It doesn't mean that you're not responsible for the things that you do. But what it does mean is that you can rest knowing that God's got things way more planned out and way more under control than we ever could. Part of the point of the Sabbath day, one of the Ten Commandments, was to keep it in the Old Testament. Part of the point of that was so that God's people could lay their work down no matter where they were and take a day and rest. And they could trust that if they didn't work that day, God was still going to take care of them. God was still going to provide for them. It's not laziness, but they could take a day of rest. And it's the same way in our lives in that we can rest knowing that God is in control. We don't have to control everything. We don't have to worry about the future. We have a responsibility to work. We have a responsibility to obey God, and that is it, because he's already got a plan, and he already knows what's going to happen. Verses 14 through 19. Verse 14, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans, Deans in the, the ships in which they rejoice. God said that he would bring down the Babylonians, which were a major world power of that day. God says the, the big boats that they had and their, their weapons that they bragged about, that they were so confident in, God would take care of all of that. He would get rid of all of it. He would defeat Israel's enemies. Look at verse 16. Thus says the Lord, But then God describes himself. He says, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. Thus says the Lord who commands and controls armies. Thus says the Lord, God is making a point here to say that he is all powerful. He's making a point to say that he is powerful over these other things. He's not just God, but he is the God who is all-powerful, who can control situations, who can take care of Israel's enemies. God is the one who makes a way. God doesn't change his character, but he allows change to happen in our lives, and he allows uh, allows change to happen in our circumstances, in our relationships, whatever it may be, And he alone has the power to allow that. He alone has the power to do a new thing. And listen, where it says in verse 19 that he's doing a new thing, it's not that he doesn't want Israel to um, remember the past. It's not that he wants them to only focus on him doing a new thing. It's that he doesn't want them to get stuck in it. And it's the same way in our lives. He, it's not that he doesn't want us to remember what was. It's that he doesn't want us to get stuck there. 
We can't escape um, the past. Israel couldn't escape the past things that God had both done and the past ways in which they had acted. And honestly, they wouldn't want to and we wouldn't want to because it would take, the, they would take away the sweetness of, of what God's doing now. But what God wanted was for them to be able to be at a place where they could move forward and where they could see what he was doing next. And that's what the Christian life is all about, is being able to look at the past and say, yes, that's who I was, but now I'm moving forward into the future and God is doing a new thing in my life. Um, My, 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 my life, I, I very much resonate with verse 18 because um, when I look at the past, it's very easy for me to get stuck in it. And it's very easy for me to look at what was and not be able to focus on what will be. But God says, no, I am doing a new thing. And I want you to see that. And I want you to be able to focus on that. My next point is, is going to come out of 20 through 21. God says that the wild beasts will honor me and the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself that they might declare my praise. My next point is that God is faithful. God is faithful. He, he was faithful in the lives of the people of Israel and Judah. He was faithful to do what he said he was going to do. He was faithful to give them what they needed. And he's faithful in your life as well. He is faithful to um, be with you wherever you go. He's faithful to keep his word. Even when we are faithless, like Israel and Judah at times, he is faithful. He is the God who stays with us in the best and in the worst of times. And so the rest of the chapter talks about the fact that Israel and Judah, they, they, they weren't going to be faithful to God. They weren't living in a way that was faithful to God. But again, even when we are faithless, he is faithful. Okay. A lot of people, they, they, they have an ejection to the church that goes something like this. Uh, the church is full of hypocrites. And a lot of the times, unfortunately, they're right. But we are all sinners that have been saved by God's grace. And that being said, again, when we are faithless, he is faithful. It doesn't mean that we get a free pass, but what it does mean is that you can come before God just as you are, understanding who he is and what he has done. And so this morning, if you don't know this God that I've been talking about, this, this God that has this amazing character, I want to give you a chance to know how you can know him. Okay, um, the gospel is simply this, that we are sinners. Every single person that has ever lived is a sinner, and we all do bad things. And God made a way 
for us to be saved. He sent his son Jesus to, to live the perfect life that you and I could not live and to die on a cross. And he did that to take the payment for that sin because we could not be with God. Our, our sin separates us from him. And so he took the payment for that sin, but he didn't just stay dead. That's not the end of the story. He rose again. And so that now if you will believe that Jesus is who he said he was, and you will confess with your mouth your sins, ask him to save you, he will save you, and you can be a new creation in Christ. And I can't think of a better way to start out the new year than by believing that. But for those of us that are here today, and we would say we, we are Christians, um, again, Isaiah chapter 43 shows us the unchanging character of God in a constantly changing world. God is, um, he, he is a God who knows you intimately. He created you, and on your worst days, what you can know is that you can forget the past, striving ahead, living as the new creation he made you to be. And when I say forget the past, remember, I'm just saying don't get stuck in it. You can't completely forget it but you don't have to. And the beauty of serving a creator that knows you is again, that he knows your feelings. He knows your past, your present, your future. He knows every hair on your head and he has a plan for you so you can push forward even when you can't see what's ahead. God is with you. He's with you when you face changes. He, he's with you when you head into the unknown, when your kid's life doesn't turn out the way that you maybe thought it should, or when you get a, a, a negative diagnosis, when you get a promotion at work, when you have to say goodbye to the loved one, he is with you. God loves you. He loves you dearly. He hates sin, but he loves you, and he loves you so much that, again, he sent his son to the cross for you. Some of you have experienced overwhelming amounts of human love, but others of you, not so much. But 100% of us have the opportunity to taste the wonders of the love that God offers. We have a God that's in control of our circumstances, understanding the fears that we experience. Don't let the new year and the things that you were dealing with define what you think about God what you know to be true. The beautiful thing about God's control, regardless of how uh, little or how much you understand it, is that you can rest knowing that he's holding you, your life, your spouse, your kids. I want to be a good husband, but I can't take care of my wife to the extent that God can. I will take care of her, but not like God. You can't take care of your kids like God can. You can give them everything that you need, but at the end of the day, he is the one who holds them higher than we do. We serve a God that's all-powerful. He has the power to do new things. He has the power to change circumstances. He has the power to do whatever is needed to take care of us. Do whatever is needed to carry out his wonderful, glorious plan. And we serve a God who is faithful. Even when we are faithless, again, he remains faithful. And thank goodness he does. Because all of us would be in trouble if he was not a faithful God. 
So as you head into this new year, what is it going to be? Are you going to believe for the first time? Are you going to choose to let what you know about God define the things that are going on around you? Are you going to live life and continue to stress over things outside of your control? Or are you going to embrace the changes when they come knowing that an unchangeable God is with you? We all have decisions to make. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word this morning. Thank you again for um, the way that you work in each and every one of our lives, the way that you, um, the way that you speak through your word. I pray, God, that this morning as we continue in worship, that you would help us to bring honor and glory to you, that we would worship in spirit and in truth, that you alone would be honored from the service. And I pray, God, that we go into this new year not making some sort of uh, resolution that, that we may or may not keep, but God, may we be resolved to be different than we were yesterday, different than we are today, different than we are tomorrow. May you continue by the sanctifying work of your Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. And I pray in his name, amen.